There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right, hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Rule the Roost. As ever, I'm joined with, uh, I believe as I called him on Twitter the other day, the uh, Rose to my Fred, um, <laughs> Raj Baines. I do not want your full name, I don't care. No, that's fine, my, my full name's everywhere, I'm not I'm not worried about anyone stalking me online, they should be more, <laughs> more worried about it being the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd actually welcome it, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I'm quite an attention seeker, so um, yeah, come at me. I'm with you. Come at me, bro. Yeah. Anyway, how how's your uh, how's your week been, Raj? It, it, uh, since our chat with Jeff and uh, FK, <laughs> it's been a bit sad, depressing. Well, not really. Um, apart from the game, um, the day afterwards was my birthday. I was actually away in the Lake District with my family, so it kind of it really helped with the coping process. Um, I got told off for. Um, me, and my dad, and my granddad watch a game in a pub uh, together, um, and then we went into another pub to meet the rest of my family. Uh, my mum got annoyed at me because I did knock the bar with my knuckles several times because it was about five minutes after the full time we should have gone. So that last little bit of annoyance I was letting out, and she wasn't best pleased by that show of aggression. But um, other than that, um, we got over it pretty quickly. Uh, I think. Uh, that's a, a nice environment to be in rather than being sat at home and having to stew in defeat. And then, yeah, no, I'm, never mind. I was going to take it on a bit of a crude angle, but I won't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. We're going to keep this all serious and above board. So happy birthday, Raj. Thank you very much. Yeah, and, you know, Grand whatever. old age of 21. 21, 21. Yeah, I would... Fill uh, the coffin. Oh, that's it. You know, I was, I was tempted to do the whole, oh, I remember when I was 21, but, you know, I'm not that much older than you, really. I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but, you know. I know we'll, we'll all be celebrating your 40th next year, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> don't don't tell my internet girlfriends how old I actually am. <laughs> they still think I'm 16 and love One Direction. But um, right, yeah, Arsenal. What what went? What went <laughs> we tried wrong? to put it off. We did really well. I to know. Put it off. I know. I just I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't. I don't. I don't want to think about. It. I, don't, I mean, like even like. Even Jeff and FK, who were like, they were, you know, they were actually genuinely really nice people when we spoke to them last week. Yeah. Even after that, I just, I just thought about, it. I thought like, oh, it's nice, isn't he? He's just so <laughs> nice and supports Arsenal, but isn't, isn't he all nice, you know? Yeah. And I just, I, I could, I just thought about him cackling at home, thinking about probably the last thing they were thinking about. But at what the same really time, hurts for me is that I, I predicted we'd win one nil. And when you get the right scoreline oh. for the wrong team, it just hurts even more. Now you know what it's like to be Loro. <laughs> I don't think Loro gets anything right. True, but I, I was going to say he's uh, he's he's probably got more tactical mouse than you do, and understands football a lot more as well. So you know, yeah, 
Let's see. He is known. Now, come on, right? Well, what 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 do you think went wrong at, at the scum? Um, I don't think. I, well, I said it would be a horrible match to watch, and it was. It, there was no real class involved. Um, a, their goal was nicely taken, but we defended appallingly for that section. It's cracking finisher. I can't take it away from Giroud. Like no cracking. first first touch finish, he wouldn't been doing that last season. That was um, that was straight out of the top draw. Um, and that's that's something that we weren't really expecting of him, um, especially since Arsenal have spent the entire summer desperately trying to find someone to replace him. For him to to have started the season as well as he has, uh, I'm sure he's um, he's having a few odd grins and Arsene Wenger's direction whenever he's in the training ground. But, I mean, um, what did yeah. you make of the the midfield battle? Because a lot was made of that before the game about how you know we were going to completely overpower them and. You know, Jack Wilshire's overrated, Rasicki's no good, and, you know, whatever, Cazola's kind of there when he wants to be. But they it was seem kind of to... Like, they, it, was, um, it was like the football equivalent of watching the Battle of the Somme, because they just... Because our midfield seemed so stagnant, there wasn't any urgency. I, th- I think where we went wrong, if I had to put my finger on one reason as to why we haven't scored at all this season from open play is because of our transitions and from the turnovers when we lose play. And so what that means um, in layman's terms essentially is when we win the ball. So when Paulinho, Sandro or Dembele makes a challenge, that direct second afterwards, the first pass afterwards, that recycling of possession should be going uh, vertically, it should be going forwards. It should be at the feet of one of the wingers or Soldado straight away. It should ping. It should be quick, and it should it should be urgent, and there should be some sort of direction and and want to be advancing. However, for the first three games of the season, it hasn't. They've dallied on the ball. They've passed it backwards. They've they made lovely little triangle plays in the middle of the pitch, but we've gone nowhere from it. So, in terms of possession, we've done really well, but. The urgency going forwards, the getting the ball into the forward, getting the wingers involved at an earlier point when the other team is isn't in a defensive stronghold has been really really slow, and we need to get that quicker because if that first pass from one of those three goes a split second faster than it has been doing, or even three passes faster than what it has been doing, in all honesty, then we've got less numbers at the back from the opposition team, and we've got a chance to break. And we just haven't been doing that. And I think that that when we come to speak about the transfers that we've got in, I think that's an area that we need to look at. Well, it's definitely, I mean, you can see that's why there's that kind of, the call out from a lot of the fan base for someone like Tom Carroll, who seems to demonstrate that forward thinking ability, even someone like Lewis Holtby, who can kind of play deeper in a position like Dembele and get the ball forwards, but I think, like you say, we'll talk about that a bit later on. Um, I think we, we had a question on um, on Twitter from someone. Let me find it. It was from uh, a lad called Mishibishi Swag. I think I've said that right. His real name's Nick. <laughs> so I'm not, not sure where that Twitter name can, came from. I was going to say, I can see the link, can't you? <laughs> yeah, he's... Um, he asked, do you think AVB was right in sending on Defoe instead of Holtby in the derby? I think that that pretty much raises, this, this, raises the same point that we have. Of Had we brought on Holtby for one of those midfield three, perhaps we would have had that added urgency. He would have been in and around that, that space in between the, the front line and the midfield line, playing the passes and pinging it forward. And I think... 
I, I do think that perhaps that was an, an odd substitution. I'm not one to, to want to criticise the manager because he does he has in the past made odd substitutions that have even been booed at White Hart Lane and they've come off. And I think that's one when you want a goal out of nothing. Jermaine Defoe is a brilliant person to, to bring on, but. I mean, for I me, that that was oddly pedestrian. Um, not only switching to four four two, but also bringing on Defoe. Um, for me, I I don't know, and I think this ties into a point I wanted to make about the game. It kind of represented, I feel, AVB's belief that the team was still very new. Um, bringing in someone like Defoe as an old face could kind of bring some more familiarity to the squad and bring you know, that experience and someone that gets the whole kind of situation of a North London derby. I do think it's a bit of a cop-out to say, you know, whatever, like foreign players don't get the North London derby or new signings don't understand the importance of that game. But, I mean, one of the things that really did stick out for me was the not only the lack of urgency that we seem to display for a lot of the second half. Because, I mean... The, the reason why it was so hard to get annoyed by that game was that we actually didn't play badly. The second half, we dominated. We absolutely dominated them, in, in my opinion, anyway. Oh, but yeah. they were just so comfortable, though. That's the thing. We did dominate, and we held possession mainly around the kind of halfway line, if not in their half. But we never really looked that threatening, aside for the odd kind. I think, of, we were, yeah. I think the entire threat we posed to them was more of an irritant than a corrosive. Uh, the way that we played and the way we, that we were, there was a small threat that we could score, but there was no clear-cut chances being made anytime soon. I mean, it was the equivalent of uh, the entire team just dancing in front of Arsenal, singing, can't get annoyed, not touching in front of their face. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what it was, because we could keep up possession all day, but there was no sort of... Like we say, there was no instinct, there was no final product anywhere, um, which is a shame. I, I think one player that I, but well, one thing that I picked out from it that I, I brought up afterwards and have done since is Andros Townsend. To me, really looks like he, he's getting a bit ahead of himself. Um, first two games of the season look fantastic. Great wing player, setting goals up, scored the odd goal, and it was it was shaping up really well. But we're being called into the England squad and and now audibly apparently comparing himself to, to wanting to be the next Gareth Bale. He seems to have the opinion of himself that he can he can make that transition as a player overnight. Um and, and that's really disappointing to see on the field because the amount of times he cut in during the game and, and shot with his left and just had another pass, another option, or could have just gone down the line and done something differently, it, it became a very Adam Johnson performance. I think what I compared it to was, I said there's a fine line between between being a one-trick pony and being a, a one-trick superstar like Iron Robin. He, he's, he's got a long way to go. He's, he's a young lad and he needs to, he almost needs to up his attitude and do more for the team rather than trying to be the main man already. I mean, I, it's admirable, mm, but it's, it's... This is the thing. I, I agree with you to an extent. I definitely do. But at the same time, you know, I can't fault a young player for wanting to be the best and I think that's kind of one thing that's really helped Gareth Bale I mean a lot of people have said you know oh he was such a humble lad he was this he was that and I've been thinking to myself that's absolute bollocks like I remember when he was a youngster and he was always kind of doing his hair and he was trying tricks and all this kind of thing and people were just like oh he's young he needs to concentrate on playing the game and all this kind of stuff so 
you know, I, I definitely know what you're saying, and I think it's AVB's job to make sure that Andros kind of reigns in, or at least constructively uses that desire and that kind of want to better himself and to be a superstar. I think he's twigged um, onto that because he he, um, he took him off, and he has uh, in a press conference um, said that he's slightly annoyed that he um, he he got picked for England because uh, he didn't even have a phone call first apparently from Hodgson, which is usually the um, I think that's the the socially accepted way of going about introducing a young player into the squad. You ask the manager what they think of them first oh, and if they're you, ready. You don't need to. It's AVB. It's the man with a borderline personality disorder, <laughs> isn't it? As the press kind of felt justified in saying. But anyway, you know what? Let's. This is miserable. I can't be sick. Yeah, we lost. This, uh, we three lost. games into That's the it. season. Well three done, Jeff. Well done, AK, FK, whatever. Get lost. Yeah. Let's move on to the new season and to our guest. Thanks for joining us this evening. We've got Rob Brown here. He's one of the writers for Spurs Statman. Hello. Oh, hello. That's it. He's enthused. He's, he's yeah, happy to be here. I don't know what you want me to say. Sorry. I didn't realise that was the cue. No, that's fine. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, mate. That'll be all right. Uh, I write about tactics uh, for Sabotage Times, uh, the blog called The False Nine. I do the weekly. Spurs Statman preview of the opposition, and um, I guess I'm just about the biggest fan of Sergio Busquets there is, as Brad will know. Yeah, and apparently I'm a Tottenham fan as well, but this one is news to me. Yeah, uh, um, Rob, the reason that I actually I chose Rob to to write for our site was he's not actually a, a fan of anyone. Um, admittedly, he's a, he's a, a he doesn't support anyone. Per se. So, when I wanted somebody to to be our what I call our head of oppositional scouting to try and be more like AVB, what I wanted him to do was have that foresight to another team without having the, the bias towards Tottenham, which is the reason we wanted him on the podcast as well. You, you know, when you said he's he's not a fan of anyone, I had visions of him like walking down the high street to the post office, like people, fucking people, like <laughs> chuntering to himself. Oh, I'm going to go to the post office. They'll probably want me to fucking sign something, won't they? But, you know, maybe he's not like that. I don't know. Well, I think he, he used to support a, a lower league team and then fell out of love with that. So he now just cherry picks from the height of football without ever having to support anyone, which, to be honest, doesn't sound that bad because it's probably better for his health than supporting a, a club like Tottenham. But um, I do have an on-running joke with him that he is a closet Tottenham fan. I'm not, but, you know, one day, why not? <laughs> have you, have you, we'll have you been to White Hart Lane, Rob? No, nope, not been to White Hart Lane yet. We'll, we'll take you down. Raj hasn't either, so we'll... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I have. <I'll> have... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get you prawn sandwich boys down there, you know. You can mix it with some naughty boys like me down the lane, do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, Christ. Anyway, so uh, Tottenham season, the season ahead. I mean, we've just had possibly the most incredible transfer window, and uh, you know, could you could say incredibly good or incredibly bad? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not planting any seeds here. Just saying, an incredible transfer window um, by Tottenham standards. Um, sorry, what was that, Rob? So I don't think anybody saw it coming. No, I know exactly. It's, it certainly beats Ryan Nelson on a free, doesn't it? Um, I mean, Sahar as well. Right, well, Nelson and Sahar. Sorry. Um, I mean, what do you? Well, let's 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 you know run through them all chronologically. I mean, I guess Polinho was first. Yeah, yeah. Um, excellent addition, isn't it? I mean, he's already looked the real deal. Impressed for Brazil in the Confederations Cup. Um, a clear upgrade, upgrade on Tom Huddleston. I think you can all agree on that. And 
he'll add a new dimension. He'll bring further quality to what is already uh, a top midfield. And he could prove the difference when it comes to securing fourth place just by himself. I mean, not to be knee-jerk. I was just going to say, not to be knee-jerk. He was was probably one of the most disappointing people against Arsenal for me, just in respect of how high he'd set the bar prior to that game. His distribution was terrible against Arsenal. That that sort of stuck out for me most of all. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to write him off yet. Chadley's another story, but (laughs) no. Um, he, He does look the real deal. Um, yeah. let's, let's just hope it's not the real deal, you know? No. That doesn't even rhyme. Yeah. I'm, I'm so bored of seeing real bail and um, deal try to be rhyming some sort of triplet. It is starting to get really tiresome now. Yeah. I think we should just insert a, uh, like a tumbleweed sound effect after every real bail joke, maybe. You could you could just save time and do one after every time I say anything. That, that, <laughs> yeah. Usually, usually would suffice. I mean, what have you made of him, Raj? Um, same as you. I think he, he's been against the lesser teams. He's shown his quality, but I think against Arsenal, he was, he was probably more worried about Matthew Flamini breaking his ankle uh, more than anything else. But he, he did look slightly. Um, it did look strangely as if the occasion got to him a tiny bit um, on the weekend. But given that he's played in in Brazil um, in the opening of their new stadium and he's, he's been in the Maracanã when it's been full I don't think he should be he should be phased by anything um, but he, he he wasn't his best on the weekend but I don't think our midfield worked at their best on the weekend as a, as a whole as it was No I think there was probably perhaps a hint too much um, I don't want to sound like AVB but a verticality, verticality about them in that they were perhaps looking to supply Soldado as soon as possible um, it wasn't the most coherent Spurs display I've ever seen, and a part of me does worry that that's going to become a recurring theme over the season. Um, there could be a few games where you know how last season Spurs seemed to pen teams in into their own penalty area with uh, a really balanced display, and then wait for Gareth Bale to ping one in from 20 yards. It could be that this season there's a more um, not to say slapdash, but perhaps less planned uh, uh, line of attack. And I could see games where we look at the Spurs midfield and say, that passing was a bit shit, wasn't it? Um, but hopefully they'll score more goals than they'll concede, although, yeah, Sunday was not a high point. I brought up a similar point when we talked about the game before, me and Jack just before, um, when we were, we were discussing it and dissecting it. I said, we seem to at transitions and breakdowns just not have the the same urgency with it you that we used to in terms of getting the first pass out and getting it to to feet further forward. We seem to be dallying in midfield and be happier playing two or three passes between yeah. ourselves and triangles before advancing. It did seem that AVB had given that very most typical English uh, instruction of keep it tight early doors and then. Maybe wait for the Emirates crowd to turn on Spurs a little bit, and then uh, turn on Spurs, turn on Arsenal a little bit, and then go for the kill late on. But I mean, it just never happened, did it? And they never got into, never got out of first gear. Yeah, well, right. Well, you know, it happened. I hate that game. I hate thinking about it. Um, Chadley, he was. I think he was. Was he the next we brought in? Yeah. Yeah. What? I mean, I, I, I'm going to put my stake in the ground now and yeah. say, for a player that. I, I don't know. I don't know what people are really expecting from him. I think he's going to be a very good player, but 
correct me if I'm wrong, he hardly set the Eredivisie alive, really. Yeah, it's a bit, it's an odd one. There's no two ways about it. I mean, he, uh, considering how the Eredivisie does have this cult online following, and players like Wilfred Bonny and uh, Josie Aldador, for example, seem to become not household names, but you know they're, they're well known amongst the Twitterati, for example. Um, Chadley wasn't one of those. He was a decent enough squad player for Twente who did the job when asked, but wasn't one of those guys that was obviously a cut above. And when Spurs picked him up, it was a bit of a bolt from the blue. It wasn't like, yes, they've bought this guy who's going to be a big deal. So in a way, you could argue that without that burden of expectation, like a Soldado or a Paulinho or maybe even a Capu, there could be a chance that Chadley will flourish. And I do think he has a tactical role to fulfil that may enable him to do so. But it wouldn't be a surprise to see him used primarily as a squad player once the likes of Ericsson and... Lamela and uh, there's one more, isn't there? Ericsson, Lamela and Willis yeah, Holtby. There's loads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once they all come back in, it wouldn't be a surprise to see Chadley drop to the bench or play a supporting role. I mean, I don't know because I mean we spoke about Townsend before um, just a few minutes ago, Raj. I mean, yeah. when you compare the two, who would you see as a as a better outlet for Spurs at the moment in terms of Chadley or Townsend, and who would you rather see kind of? cultured more into the team in terms of um, being disappointed with Chadley when he was brought in the way I'd try and explain it was looking at our transfers fee we paid we paid 26.4 million for two players we've paid nearly 9 million pounds for a centre back uh, nearly 18 million pounds for Paulinho Chadley cost just over 7 million pounds so <laughs> in, a, in a cliche time to prep away you, you get what you pay for so I don't think he was ever going to come in and be the best player ever. But he, what he's going to be, he's, he's, he needs to... There's always, with bringing this many players in, there's always going to be one or two that weren't going to find their feet straight away. We've seen that with Sigurdsson last season coming into our system. We've, we've seen it with plenty of players before coming into Tottenham that have been brilliant players. For example, Kevin Prince-Boateng, who's done brilliant at AC Milan, gone to Schalke now, done well everywhere else, didn't seem to fit in at Tottenham. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. I'm not saying that's going to be the the, the type of thing for Chadley because he has performed well. I think when it's been slower and there's been more room for him in Europe, he's looked a lot better. Premier League wise, he does look like he's going to need a tiny bit more time to adjust. He doesn't look like he, he enjoys being kicked too much. He doesn't look like he, he's getting with the pace of it too much. He, he looks slightly tentative when he gets past the ball. His first touch has been slightly off. He, he, directness towards people. He seems to want to, to pass before he runs at someone. He just needs that, that run in the league and to, to find out what English football is all about before I think he takes off. I think positive but, positives, he's got a decent amount of pace. He's not, you know, he's he's not lightning fast, but he has a decent amount of pace. He's he looks big and strong like he doesn't He's got really nice abs. Oh, yeah, he does. He looks fantastic <laughs> in a pair of Y fronts. Um but his crossing looks pretty pretty special. Like it looks like he can, you know, he can pick people out in the box. I think I know there's that ridiculous stat that like, you know, he had the most assists or most compl- most successful crosses in the premiership after two games like it meant anything sorry jp but um you know it's uh i i've i've, I've taken that as a bit of a positive 
Yeah, I, I, I genuinely, he's probably going to be the one that's going to have to have the most patience about him. He's he's the, the most likely one to to get the groans and the and the shouty old men at a white out lane shouting at him and telling him he's shit after after two games at home. But oh, never at Tottenham, never. <laughs> we're the most welcoming fans in the world. Um, but he, he he looks like in time he could be a good signing. But for now, he he needs time to adjust. He, he, I'm, I'd be more than happy to let him play in every Europa League game we had because, as I say, he looks fine there. But Premier League wise, he, he's going to take a bit of adjusting. Um, so for now, I would, I would, I don't think either one of Chadley or Townsend would would get into my uh, air quotes first choice team. But um, that's something I think we'll get into a bit later on. So who do we get up next? So I think it was big, big Bobby Soldado, wasn't it? Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, big old Bob. What? What? Do you... I, I, do you know what? I feel bloody sorry for him. He, he he started to get a bit of you know stick from the from the Twitter masses on that game, and I couldn't understand it. Like he was just so strangled up front. You know, you, yeah, you could see it at, at times was almost that like sinking horror in his face of like, oh Christ, what have I done? Like, <laughs> you know, why am I here? Like. No one likes me. No one's passing to me. You know, I, I'm here. It's almost like the rest of the team aren't used to having an actual striker being up front, kind of being in a position where they're supposed to be to score mm-hmm. goals. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a tough season for him, I think. Um, he scored a couple of penalties in the first games, and uh, to use the old match of the day cliches, if you put the ball in the box, uh, Roberto will get you goals. But <laughs> was, that one, was that one of Shearer's nuggets of... Uh... It was one of Shearer's, yeah, when Michael Owen was still playing and, you know, sitting on the bench, getting splinters in his ass every week, it was, well, if you bring him on and if you put balls in the box, Michael will get you goals. So to appropriate that for Soldado seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my view is that he's always flourished in the sort of system that creates lots of chances for a poacher who doesn't necessarily have to do anything else other than wait around the six-yard box, linger, and when the ball pops up, put it in the back of the net. Um, whether or not AVB is going to let him do that sort of job is another matter. It could be that um, he hits the ground running and continues this scoring form and chance after chance is manufactured for him and he breaks 20 goals quite easily. But I can equally see him turning up, uh, and I don't want to diss him too much, a bit like Nikita Jelovic at Everton, where an initial flurry of goals um, which were typically swept across from one channel into the far corner with one touch, which is another Soldado trademark, um, could dry up once um, his, his manager asks him to be more of a team player and to uh, run the channels and to do all the hard work to create space for the midfielders behind him. Um, if he's asked to do that, then it is quite likely that the goals will dry up. Um, I do worry that AVB is going to try this 4-3-3 out that he pioneered with Porto uh, with the rotating midfield triangle. And if that does happen, then Soldado is going to have to do a more rounded job and not just stand in the penalty area waiting to score goals. My preference for him would be for last season last season's system to stay in place um, with Christian Eriksen just off him because that would suit both of them down to the ground. Eriksen could pass to him all day and he could score all day and that would suit everybody in the team. Whether or not that gets the best out of players like uh, Dembele or Capu or Sandro is another matter, and that's another another thing I was going to discuss later. What about um, Adebayor? Do you think he could link up well with Soldado? Yeah, I think on occasion they are going to have to be used together because uh, Spurs have 
acquired such a an immense armory of talent now that you know teams are going to come to Whitehall Lane and they are going to park the bus. They are not, not going to look for three points; they're going to look for one. And when that happens, you know there's no point in having that extra midfield man because you've already won the midfield battle simply by being Tottenham. Uh, in that event, I can see Adebayor and Defoe playing alongside him. And if that is the case, then yeah, I think those three players um, will all probably be criticised at some point um, for a perceived, perceived lack of effort or finesse or whatever. But together, they all have intelligence. They're all of a certain calibre. And if a ball falls to one of them, they will score. And that's, it's that simple. They're not bad players. They will score goals and they'll, they'll earn Spurs points over the season. They've got three good strikers and it makes sense to play two of them at the same time when points are there to be won. So, I mean, what, what about you, Raj? What, what do you make of him? Um, I think I agree that the system at the moment, if it was to be a 4-3-3, isn't, isn't the best to get the most out of him. But I think from the signings we've made since and the performances we've had since... I don't think the four-three-three is something that we're going to persevere with. I, I do think there's going to be almost an amalgamation of what we had last season, and with a tiny bit more emphasis on that that front and middle three when we're in the attacking phase of play. So I do think defensively we, we will revert to type. I think when we go forwards, I think there is more more likely a chance that we'll be more fluid and that we'll try and um, blur the lines a bit more between. Uh, the midfield and attack, and I definitely I, I do think when we we almost overreacted when we signed Polino and Capu, and we had Polino, uh, we had that midfield trio of Dembele, Polino, Sandro um, already there. We are, we almost thought, oh, that's a natural brick wall for us to park there. Nobody's going to get through. Nobody's going to do what we're experiencing now. Is the fact that <laughs> it's not the most creative midfield in the world. So I don't think those three players are ever going to play together um, at home or in in a game that we're going to win. Perhaps away from home, playing Sandro and Capu will will work well because they will be able to break down play against teams that are are very good going forward. For example, Chelsea away or even Arsenal away, perhaps that would have been a a good idea to to play them both. But I do think one of uh, Holtby or Eriksson will will fit in there and we will start to to revert more to to what we were playing last season and and having that more of a, a structured shape going forwards so there is more of a, a direct supply chain to Soldado because it doesn't make sense having him play with his back to goal as much as we did with um, Adibayor last season because Adibayor going forwards last season wasn't on form with his back to goal and with work rate he's absolutely fantastic he, I don't the um the accusation that he's at all lazy is something that I, I 100% disagree with. He, he covered a lot of ground, he, he ran a lot of channels, and he did what he had to do last season. I think that's something Soldado's going to have to adapt, but I yeah, think we're going to be a lot more he, comfortable. He didn't, score 20, he didn't score 20 goals, mate, so he's useless. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I think he's good, Soldado. Yeah. I like him. I mean, baseless speculation, part of the decision to pay as much for him, um, in my opinion, wasn't, you know, he's obviously a, a you know, very good player, someone who's at his peak now. Um, 
so hence the inflated fee. But at the same time, I think it also represented the striker that we've missed for a long time. So to pay big money for a big striker was also very much, I think, a kind of probably a political move, if you like, on Levy's part too. I think um, it was political on Valencia's part as well. I think they've got some internal politics with keeping their fans happy because they're in a, in a bit of a state. They've got two stadiums, one of which they can't sell, the other one of which they can't fill. And they've got players of which they want to sell so that they can keep the finances going. But they can't obviously be selling them for under the price that, they, that, they, um, that they've got their um, release clauses at. So in order for us to pay two or three more to, to satisfy them as a club, in order for them to say to their fans, we couldn't have done anything, we weren't going to sell him, but they paid his release clause. Um, I think that was, that was more us just going, you know what, we want him. We can't be asked messing about. Um, we're going to get a shitload of money in a few weeks, let's get rid of him. And all these people are really angry on Twitter. They might even start a petition, so we better sign him, I think. Yeah. I think that, I think that factored in as well, probably. Um, anyway, after him, there came Kapu, which Dan Lowe um, said to us the other day after the game, sounds like an explosion in a sewage works. Just thought I'd chuck that in. Um, I stole his joke entirely. But, uh, you gave him credit, though. It's not like you Keith Chegwin. Kind of. Like, oh, please, Nigel, I don't want to be Tottenham's Keith Chegwin. That would be awful. That's it. That's, that's what I'm calling you now on whenever I get to introduce the podcast. Tottenham's oh, Keith yeah. Chegwin, Tetrunk. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be lovely. Uh, kind of looks similar. N- no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's racism. That's just racism. Uh, um... Anyway. I've got a much bigger dick than Keith Chegwin as well. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if anyone saw Naked Jungle. Moving on. Kapu. Uh, Kapu. Um, <laughs> he got injured. It it looked painful, but it wasn't. It was just a sprained ankle. Maybe he's not, as, maybe he's not as hard as we say he is. Yeah, it's not a promising sign, is it? When you get oxygen for a sprained ankle, and you're supposed to be the hard nut doing all the tackling and marshalling the midfield, that's not a good sign for anybody. Yeah, I mean, when he went down and you see the size of the block, I, I like uh, my first reaction was it's broken. Yeah. Something's happened to him there. He, he doesn't look good because he was screaming on his way down. He, he kept writhing in pain, and then when, when you find out that it, it just it's kind of a bruised leg, it, it's um it's not a great sign. It's kind of like when you realise that you know Bruce Lee wasn't actually as good a fighter as he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as I tweeted, it clears up the whole who would win in a fight between him and Sandra, though you know. So there you go. Yeah. But you know, when I actually said that, I had all these kind of indignant people say, "Uh, sprained ankles really hurt, mate. They really hurt." So it, it you know, you can walk on a sprained ankle. You don't need a, a stretcher. You he could have had the old traditional physio under each arm and hop off. Yeah. He certainly shouldn't have had oxygen. <laughs> Maybe was, he just yeah. likes it, mate, because it, it gets you a bit high, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So flight club tells me. Exactly, and you know he might like it. I don't know. I, do, uh, the him being a big sissy girly pants aside, um, how have you found him so far, Raj or Rob? Um, Either one. I'll go. Um, he he seems to me like a, v- a very similar player to, to Sandro, although a lot more mobile and a lot more able in the final third. I think Sandro's all good with his intentions going forward. He, he loves to have a little dink to pass. He loves to try and do something special going forward. He does break out, but his end product isn't the best. 
And with a player like Sandro, I genuinely don't think it has to be. I think his defensive ability, his knack to time a challenge and his, his ability to, to just break up play and be a proper bastard for people trying to get past him <laughs> is fantastic. Um, with Kapu, I think defensively he is very good. But I think I really hate to do this. I think you may have done it as well. He does remind me a tiny bit of Vieira with the way he, he moves. And his running style, the way he, he carries himself is very Jermaine Genus. <laughs> which, when you combine Patrick Vieira and Jermaine Jenis, Tottenham fans everywhere are cheering. Um, <laughs> um, he, he, he does seem to be able to, to do well. Perhaps he, he's an option in terms of being able to get the player moving a bit faster from midfield to going, going forwards, but he does seem a very good option. He does mean that now we have two very good defensive midfield options. Um, that's out and out defensive midfielder, someone that will sit there and, and tackle all day long. Not somebody like Paulinho or Dembele who can lie deep and, and move forward. But it means that I think what we've tried to do with the bail money and with the new TV money is make sure that we've got two good players in every position apart from left back. I drew up this list earlier of possible lineups in a few different formations, and there are two players for every every uh, position and. I had this potential um, wildcard formation for like, ridiculous, unwinnable games where you just go for it, and it had uh, it was a kind of a, a kind of a three-four-two-one with Kapu at, at centre back and sort of the old way that um, before Busquets started playing there for Barcelona, the way Yaya used to drop in with yeah. the centre and then fucking leg it forward when the point was right. I can see Kapu doing that. I mean, Vertonghen's done a similar thing. He's um, scored a very. It wasn't uh, hit the the bail goal away to Swansea last season. Come from a, a Batongan burst through the middle. Yeah, and he's the maraud. Scored at Old yeah. Trafford as well in a similar way. Yeah, exactly. If you have, say, Kabul or Dawson and those two, um, you've got. Uh, I mean, Spurs squad is so top heavy. You might as well have uh, Paulinho and Dembele, uh, Lamela and Eriksen, and then Soldado up front with just the wing backs. Covering, covering the wide areas and just go for it. Just put everything in the middle, just chuck everything forward. And then if all else fails, get the centre-backs to go forward as well. I mean, they've got to cover those three of them. Kapu and Vatongan love a good run forward, and why not? I think Kapu gives you that option. I mean, he can cover Sandro, as Raj said. He's probably a bit more of a progressive passer, but he is capable of playing a disciplined game, and you know, he gives you so much tactical opposition now. Um, I thought Carl Norton did really well when he came in last season, and if he came back in this season, I'd expect him to be as good. Um, he can play on either flank. Uh, whether or not he can match, say, uh, Asoe Kato or Carl Walker's level, I don't know. But I saw an interesting point made on Twitter last week, and I mentioned it in my preview of the Arsenal game, uh, when someone said that uh, Kyle Walker's undoing is that he can often go forward into areas that are already occupied by a wide uh, a touchline hugger on the right. When Aaron Lennon plays uh, he you, you think that the overlap between Walker and Lennon would make sense but it doesn't always work uh, and it may be that Lamela or as we've seen in recent weeks Townsend offers that option as someone who can cut in and that would improve Walker by giving him that channel all to himself to use all day and not lead to this clutter that seems to confuse him. Um, and on the other side, Rose and uh, you could play Vertonghen there, but I'm thinking more Norton or Zeki Fryers in this case. Uh, with we've seen Chadley play there um, on the, uh, further forward on the left, 
and with with them drifting in that gives the left back the same freedom so it looks like a problem position on paper and if you're looking at raw ability and quality of the players then yeah i suppose it is a problem but it could well be that the quality of the players in front makes up for the uh, deficiencies of the fullbacks they could well be fine this season i'm not too worried about them okay so after what well, we've deviated a bit there um, after kapoo after kapoo was how is it pronounced critches kirakesh kirakesh <laughs> Critches. Critches. I'm just called Critches. Critches. Vlad. 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 He, you know, he's he's got the. I, I said at the time. I mean, what I, what I loved immediately about him is the picture of him holding the shirt at well, not at Hotspur Way, whatever the new place is. Um, he looks absolutely delighted. He looked genuinely happy. But he's also got that look about him that Dawson has, whereby he's like the kid that you'd buy an Xbox for. He chuck the Xbox to one side and just play with a box for ages, the cardboard box that it came with. It, do you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. uh, he just looks like a big, happy lad that loves playing football, you know? Um, I, I can't say I know anything about him at all, though, other than that he'll yeah. probably just be a substitute for us. Does that yeah. sound harsh? I don't know. Probably not. No, I do think he he will probably, with the uncertainty over the level to which Kabul is fit, um, because he does seem to drop in and out of the squad willy-nilly, and there is that really horrible rumour that he's got some sort of Ledley King knee problem, which would just break my heart after having another centre-back that's so talented, yeah, going to have a, a shortened career. But um, I do think he will get plenty of playing time. I think he's going to be much happier being that insert centre-back here and there um, than Stephen Corker was. Um, I think his ability to play left-back is something that will have enticed us towards him as well. Um, Rob brought up Carl Norton. I think the only reason that Carl Norton is genuinely still at the club is because he's got the ability to play either side because he's so transferable. If he was just stuck to one side, I don't think he's good enough to be just a right-back or just a left-back. The fact that injuries are fitting him in in the Europa League we can just play him there really helps his cause so his ability to adapt and be a square peg or a, a circle really helps him but I think in terms of our defence there's obviously partnerships there that are made and forged Dawson seems to have been made his way back in although I do think he, perhaps this season he may be once Kabul is fit he may be um, back on the subs bench but I do think yeah uh, I can understand why he's been signed. We definitely needed a fourth centre-back because you can't go into a season with just having three. And we definitely needed somebody who can cover in at left-back and be slightly more progressive than, than we had in the previous um, in previous options, such as, as Cal Norton. So I understand the signing. It's not very expensive. And he looks delighted to be at the club, like you say. That every, everything he's done is... Um, he, he had a few chants that he posted on his official Facebook wall. Uh, wall. He's um, he's just signed up to Twitter now because apparently um, I don't think any of the Stour Bucharest players had it before because I don't think that the chairman agreed with it. Um, the the infamous Gigi Bucali, who's apparently still running the club from his prison cell somehow. I think he actually got um, told off the other day. Sorry to deviate, but it's a brilliant story. He got told off the other day for... Uh, stealing phone rights from another prisoner and running the club <laughs> with another prisoner's phone. So he's I just he swapped, a... I thought he swapped cigarettes for them or something. Yeah. He was doing some sort of trading on the inside. 
essentially he's a bent bastard whether or not he's in jail or out of it. <laughs> so, and Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. No, he is the Romanian Harry Redknapp. He probably has tax issues like Harry Redknapp and an offshore account and everything. He's a um, allegedly sexist and homophobic and racist man. Yeah, you completely disappeared there for me, Rob. What was that you said? I said, are we talking about Harry or the star Bugaresque? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think Harry, we can't time with that brush, can we? He's, he's not. Uh, he's just he's just morally reprehensible in most other ways, aside from those. <laughs> like, yeah. um, can't read all right, let's not pick on him too much. Yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that man. Um, and then we signed. And then we signed. La 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 mea. Or la mela. <laughs> That's what I want. I don't want all this. He came from Roma to play the. the, the. No, not that one, actually. What am I thinking? No, la mela. Oh, I don't want another one of those. There's so many of them. Those oh, oh chants. There's too many. They're not good. <laughs> he came from Italy to play for AVB. No. No. La 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 mela. That's that's what we go I'll go with, and then we just need to think more words. That's tactics by Tottenham's Keith Chegwin. Yeah, dear, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to shake that now, am I? Oh, hello, it's a knockout. <laughs> that was my Keith Chegwin impression. Maybe I so, should yeah, just keep talking. Third record-breaking signing of the summer, uh, Eric Lamella. Um, probably the most like-for-like replacement for Bale that we've signed. Uh, obviously benefited from having Baldini there previously. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. I'm really happy that we've got a, finally got another Argentinian at the club. Um, we were famous for bringing him over initially, uh, Ozzy and Ricky. So Ozzy's apparently been out today and said that he's a real Tottenham player. He's going to expect him to do really well. I don't think it was particularly fair bringing him on. And in North London derby, he did look a little bit like a fish out of water, having been at the club all of... 48 to 72 hours but um i think he'll only grow and grow he's he's 21 years old he's he's my age and that's scary um because i'm sat in spongebob pants talking to people on the internet and he's a professional footballer get used to it get used to it mate yeah, yeah. so he's he's fantastic he's got that ability as rob says to to cut inside which will allow carl walker the spacing behind him on the side note, Kyle Walker, I think, has started the season brilliantly. He looks like he's gone back 18 months. The, the stick he was getting on the weekend for trying and pushing forward and actually trying to make something happen was out of hand for me. Uh, if no one else is going to do it, why lambast him for trying? It's like it's the equivalent of having a go at somebody for stepping up to a penalty. 
don't look at the people that have stepped up for it. Look at the person who stood back and not had the boss to step up. That's that's my opinion of it. Deep, but, um, deep, man. You preach, I, preach, brother. Yeah, that was a half pointed one at John Terry for the for the um, European one where he, he refused to step up in midweek. Uh, I'm sure he would have been the first one with his hands on the trophy if he if they'd won that shootout. But uh, by the by, he's a horrible racist man, and that's not allegedly. Um, <laughs> Lamella, back to point. He, he, I do think he'll grow. Um, I think he's he's fantastic for us. He does have the potential, and I am prepared to eat my word. To don't be a, don't don't say it. I know what you're gonna say. Be a better footballer than Gareth Bale. I don't know. Um, and that's not just me knee jerking. As part of my job as pretending I know about football, I, I watch a ridiculous amount of it. I'm one of those people that that has streams on the go and watching it here and there. I've seen a lot of him play, especially when he was under Zeman at Roma, just because they were a, a fun team to watch when they had. Massive, stupid tactics of just it's pure out attack. He's just he can play in the number role, number ten role freely. He can play out wide freely. He's just breaking into the Argentina squad, which has some of the most the world's best attacking talent there. You've got Messi, Higuain, Di Maria. You've got all sorts of players there for him to learn from, and I think he, he will just be a fantastic asset for him. I mean, the only thing about him is that he's going to be here for three, four, five seasons at the most, and then he'll be at a point where we'll go through a summer of Real Madrid caught in him. If you think even three, four, five, mate, that'll be decent, hopefully, and then we can probably get bail back, so, you know, <laughs> at that point. Um, even as a neutral, I'd love Lamela to stay at Spurs for five years. That'd be fantastic. I think he signed a he signed a five year contract. I think they've all the all the new players have signed very long term contracts. I don't think any of them have come in on on anything that's that's shorter than three or four years. Even Soldado at twenty eight, I think he's on a four year contract at the very least. So Levy knows what he's doing in terms of having them poached anytime soon. He's getting his money back at the very least. Is is there any substance? Do either of you know if there is any substance whatsoever to this kind of talk? that he didn't actually want to come, that he didn't want to leave Roma? Do you know? I think he probably took some persuading because his last season there was so good. And in a World Cup year, first choice in the team sheet, Roma aren't the most stable team and um, they're unlikely to challenge in the way that Spurs are, for example. But in a World Cup year, he could really have benefited from being the main man somewhere like that. And moving somewhere... Like London, totally new city, totally foreign culture. I can imagine he did take some persuading, but I don't know for certain. I can't say that I'm saying that from any position of authority. Yeah, I agree. I think he he was made up for the Roma fans because they signed him when he was very young, and he was part of this new project of the next generation of Roma. I think he was touted as being the next Francesco Totti for them. He he was the next big thing. He was their next big number ten. He was. He was the player that they were going to build the club upon and then they sold him. Their player, I think if you want to see how good he is, how highly he's rated, you should just go see how batshit mental the Roma fans went on every social media point going because they were disgusted he was sold. I think Roma made the mistake of they had like they had some sort of player parade before they played their first game and they paraded him with the rest of the team when everyone knew well and good that he was going to be on his way within 24 hours. And they were just... They were hissing, you know what the Roma fans are like, we we don't need reminding, but their 
they were disgusted with it. And I think in a similar way that a lot of Tottenham fans threw their ties out of the pram and, and have been making some strange petitions and things when Gareth Bale has been sold. It's much the same situation for them. And I think, although he, he probably did take persuading, I think he, he he knows that he's now at a club that can probably grow alongside him and hopefully will be able to, to make that step up to the next level as a unit. I mean... Do you think we would have bought him? But it's not even worth speculating about whether or not Bale stayed. No. He's 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 no. a replacement for Bale, isn't he? Essentially, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they both don't fit in the same team. That's I mean that's Chelsea level of greedy. Had we attempted to keep Bale and, and have Lamella in the same team, it's it's mouth watering the prospect. But it's we won't have been paying both of their wages. Um, I imagine he's been given the number eleven shirt. He's He's got the big haircut. He's got the the good looks. He's a better looking lad than than Gareth Bale, which shouldn't really matter, but it does well, to me. He, he does look a bit. It was I was talking about this the other day. He looks a bit like if Cristiano Ronaldo and Robin van Persie had a love child. Oh God! You know, <laughs> like just look at the two faces. It's I don't know. It's very very ratty. Well, knowing Robin van Persie, you're not entirely sure where he has children and where he hasn't. So. Oh <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. No, yeah. he definitely does look like that, actually. I'm just looking at a picture of him now, and that's pretty much spot on. Worryingly so, in fact. But you know something we don't? I don't know. It's No, I don't. I was going to try and <laughs> string that out, but I won't. I just 21 don't. years ago in a lab in Argentina, Robin Van Persie was yeah. led in. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be quality. Although, do you know? And this is don't don't take don't lambast me for this tour. I base this on nothing. This is just one of those like I've got a feeling in me waters. I don't know why. I've just got this horrible, horrible feeling that he's gonna be an absolute flop for us. And I do base that on nothing. And that's maybe me sending out bad karma. But it just it occurred to me the other day, like record signing. Like I just think back to Darren Bent, David Bentley. And I just thought Lamella is just set up to be an abject failure, but you know, let's hope not. Probably the Spurs fan in you that knows better than to get his hopes up. Yeah, potentially, or just the fact I'm a miserable twat. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I didn't want to be as bluntly as that. I blame Enwi. That's it, Enwi. Um, (laughs) Ericsson, Christian Ericsson. Now, this this for me is one that's slipped completely under the radar. Completely under the radar, and. Unjustly so. Um, I mean, this is a player that, what, just a season ago, people were linking to every single club under the face of the under the face of the planet, like all the Barcelonas and Madrids and Uniteds and City seem to be, you know, linked with thirty million pound bids and this and that. I mean, you know, please educate me, lads. Like, did he have an awful season last year? I I know he's coming up towards the end of his contract, but the fact we got him. So unopposed. What's going yeah. on? It's been the strangest one of the summer for me. I've spent the whole summer uh, waiting for Arsenal or Manchester United to take him because, I mean, he is the real deal. There's no two ways about it. I mean, he's he's had a sort of stop-start career. There's been um, flashes of brilliance followed by a vanishing act, and in big games, he's earned this reputation as a player who vanishes, but. Towards the end of last season, he totally dispelled that. He came to the fore for Ajax, and he, for the last six months, he was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, he's got this reputation as a player that 
impresses fans but not scouts. And I don't know what fa- what scouts. I mean, I don't know who they are. For example, who who's scouts are we talking about? But scouts. Liverpool's Liverpool scouts. We stole him. Everyone and their asses from their elbows. We're not going to talk about Liverpool scouts. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't see what they're not impressed with. I mean, they must think he has some sort of physical limit, limit uh, limitation. Or uh, he might be a pussy in their view, for want of a better term. But he's just not. He's just a great player. And the last six months have proved what an excellent player he is. Spurs are really lucky to have got him. I can't for the life of me understand why Manchester United and Arsenal didn't take him sooner in the season, uh, in the off-season, sorry. And I think of all the Spurs players now, uh, I have the hardest time seeing where he fits into a structured eleven. But I'm absolutely positive that two, three, four years down the line, he'll still be there and he'll be the main player. I mean, is he the Modric that we've been waiting for since Modric left? He, he is somewhere... I mean, he, he could be. Equally, he could be Van der Vaart. He's, he's, he could be either. He, he is capable of being the midfield conductor and he's capable of just taking the ball midfield, striding forward with it and either splitting the defence or smashing it in the back of the net. I mean, he, he has done both repeatedly for Ajax. He's played in a sophisticated system um, as one of its foremost players and impressed the population of his stay there. And, um, yeah, however AVB wants to use him, he'll understand. He's got a great education from Ajax and he'll be great. I mean, it, it could be that he takes the Modric role. We've said before that Spurs have got this physical midfield that perhaps lacks creativity. If they play him, he'll solve that problem. He'll unpick locks. He'll play sliding passes. He'll prompt players to make runs that they weren't thinking of. And he'll open doors for them. It's just a great signing. What do you make of him, Raj? Um, I com- completely agree. I've I've loved watching him as a player. Um, he came into Ajax when he was a very young man. He played internationally when he was a very young man. And he's, he's looked fantastic. And he's looked like he's got all the, the right parts to his game since he first stepped on the pitch for any of them. Um, especially last season with Ajax, as Rob said, his last few months for him was outstanding. I mean, there's a lot of trepidation surrounding players that come over from that league and don't particularly do well over here. I mean, it's it's almost 50-50 chance whether or not you're going to get a good player from, from the Dutch leagues or a bad one. For every Luis Suarez, there's a possibly a Nasser Chadley. Um, so, or a Kesman. Yeah. Kesman. Wowie. He was. What? what was the one that signed for Middlesbrough as well? Alfonso Alves? Yeah, oh dear, dear lord. Yeah, he, he was. He scored an absolutely unbelievable free kick against Manchester City from Middlesbrough. He did fuck all else, though. Absolutely shit. Monumental waste of money. But, um, I think. Ericsson, though. Um, I meant to say that he was regarded as one of the disappointments of Euro 2012. And I'm not really sure where that came from because, I mean,. Fine, he didn't have the greatest of tournaments, but he was 20 years old playing for Denmark in a group that contained the Netherlands, Portugal and Germany. And I'm not sure how any 20-year-old playmaker can be expected to make an impact on a tournament for a team which plays three matches and is the underdog in all of them and as such does its best not to have the ball. He's just not going to impress. So to assess him on that and to say he's not good enough to play for teams like Man United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool... It's bollocks. He's, he's going to be fine. See, because this, this amuses me in, in the respect that people seem to gloss over the fact that, really, Messi has an indifferent international career, as does Ronaldo. 
but that never seems to be really held against them. I know people will always say Messi won't be considered the best player ever until he wins the World Cup, but that's not really calling him a disappointment. I think um, that's due to the growth of the Champions League more than anything else. I think because national football is really forgotten about until a major tournament rolls around. Um, I do think Messi's grown a lot in Argentina recently. I think the national perception towards him because he hasn't because he left for Spain so young that it took a long time for his, his locals to accept him as one of their own. But now he has he he is their main man now. He is as he is for Barcelona for them their, their go to player. Uh, their formation set around set around getting him um, Gago as well for Argentina is just is setting him up and and being his supply line as, as Xavi and Iniesta are at Barcelona. So I think Messi away from Tottenham is is going to nationally become the same phenomenon that he is for Barcelona. But in terms of uh, Ericsson, um I do think he could be the one that, as you say, floats in under the radar and is our is our big player, is the one that becomes the best signing. Very shrewd Levy and Baldini signing of getting him while his contract is low because I'm fairly sure that Ajax didn't want to sell him for <laughs> 11 or £12 million because that's really cheap. Um, he he does have the ability, as, as Rob says, to play that dual role of he can sit deep or he can hang off just one of the back of them. And given the fact that we are floating in between two systems, the fact that he fits in extremely comfortably to either one of them is extremely encouraging. He's fairly similar to Lewis Holtby, although I would say temperamental-wise, he's got a better temperament. He's probably got a better eye for a pass. He's slightly more technical in that he has the patience, whereas Lewis, even though he's older, shows a little more vulnerability, a little more childishness. He's a bit more skittish in his personality of wanting to just pass and then shoot in his way of going forward. He's, he's a lot more frenetic than Ericsson is. I think Ericsson's a lot more measured. Um, but I think they are players that were interchangeable. And I think if we were ever to play them two together, I think they would perhaps be able to bounce off one another in a similar way that Modric and Van der Vaart did, not wanting to build them up too much. Well, do it. Yeah, that's it. Just stick, put them on a pedestal where I just do it. And then when they don't do it, boo them. Boo them <laughs> off the pitch. No more podcast. That's it. Forever. Um, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, we are... It, it's fantastic to be honest it's mind-blowing it's we've lost I, I hate you know I really hate this they lost Elvis and got the Beatles like it's stupid it doesn't make sense we we sold some we sold loads I know of the players. Beatles weren't very good for one thing and Elvis was great that's uh controversial I would dispute that or I'd say the opposite was true but I don't know let's not get into music I, the point, the point. You know, I like this. You know, I don't know. I like the Spice Girls, so I'm not in good company. Um, I like the sense. Spice Girls. Oh, let's uh, let's hang out sometime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with regard to how we're going to fit all the the players, I mean, because we do need to move it forwards. Um, how do you see us really lining up now? If you had to just you know call your kind of your standard. AVB formation dash selection. Who are you asking here? Sorry. Whoever wants to jump in. Okay. okay. Well, I was thinking about this earlier, and AVB has this reputation. It comes from his spell at Porto for the back four will stay in place, the front three will stay in place. Um, whether or not the midfield is a two and then a one, or a one and then a two, um, 
depends on the match. We'll probably see both. We'll probably see both in, in the same game on occasion. But the way I see it, mostly a 4-2-3-1. Probably one of Sandro and Capu, one of Paulinho and Dembele, one of Eriksen, Sigurdsson and Holtby in the midfield. Um, I think Andros Townsend will have a big role to play. Aaron Lennon might fade a bit, which is a bit of a shame, really, considering the service he's given Spurs over the years. But on the opposite wing, Chadley, Sigurdsson or Eriksen again. I think Eriksen might turn up there on occasion. Um that would be the standard for me. I think that's what we'll see most of. That's what Spurs will uh, best serve most of their players with. That's what Soldado will score the most goals with. So for me, it would be a 4-2-3-1 with pretty much all of the big names exactly where you'd want them. What about yourself, Raj? Um, I think it's pretty much the same, to be honest. Um, I do think it's going to be... When you look at it on paper and you and you write them down, um, for mine, it would be a 4 one, two, three would probably yeah. be the way that I'd write it down. But, you know, throughout the game, because they are so fluid, because they are so technical, it will become a 4-3-3, three, three, it'll become a 4-2-3-1. Three, three, Depending on where the ball is, the players have the ability to pick the position. But just plotting them as, as it was, um, just to be technical. But <clears throat> across the back, Loris, who I think has been the best player in the team so far this season, right back Walker, naturally, my two first-choice centre-backs would be Kabul and Vertonghen. Um, I think Dawson, for all my love for him and all his love for Tottenham and all the heart in the world, I think he, he will become a point now where he will become a bit part substitute player further down in once Kabul is fit. Uh, Vertonghen, obviously, his, his ability to get forward and everything and be dynamic is is what keeps him there. Rose at left back, which I think is, is something that's going to have to be looked at if he doesn't improve in January. Obviously, he's young as well, um, but it may, it may have come to that. Um, my first choice starting would be Sandro over Capu, just because, like I said before, he, he's fantastic at being a defensive midfielder. And if that's what's asked of him, that's what he'll do. Um, and that's that's ideal for me. In front of him, Paulinho would obviously play. Um, but then the one selection headache I would have is that other person in that second band just in front of Sandro, whether or not it would be Holtby or whether or not it would be Dembele. Reason being is Dembele seems to get confused. Um, He seems to not want to get forward too much because he feels like he's going to leave someone behind him left out. And then, adversely, he doesn't want to hang back too much because he doesn't want to seem like he's not joining in with the forward play. He seems to get caught in between lines and not... Yeah, really can, join in as much as he should. You can tell that he's not a natural central midfielder, that he was someone who played higher up earlier in his career and has been converted in the recent years. Um, I think it is worth remembering that Sandro and Dembele absolutely dicked the Premier League last year until Sandro got injured. As a partnership, they were absolutely unbelievable in their stats in terms of tackles, interceptions, passes, kilometres covered, were way in excess of anybody else's. So... I do think we'll see that partnership rekindled and I do think that Capu and Paulinho could probably be interchanged and rotated with them. Um, but yeah, I think to write them melee off perhaps is harsh, but I can see where Raj is coming from. You can tell that he isn't a natural at this job and that Paulinho is um, a more natural fit for it. Yeah, I don't think I'd be comfortable writing him off at all because I think we we became fairly reliant on him at, at some stage of last season. Um, but 
I do think he, he needs a slight bit more adjusting this season in terms of a slightly different system. He needs a slight bit more time to readjust and then find his feet again. And then my forward three um, would be obviously Lamella coming in from the right, um, Soldado up front, and then Ericsson coming in from the left. And I, I put emphasis on the phrase coming in. That's not a double entendre, that's tactical. <laughs> because as we said before, the fullback's job is to get forward. So width-wise, they would have the width there. They, For me, if we if we have the ball, the full-back shouldn't be within their own half anymore. They should be up with us. Um, sorry, a plane's going overhead. It's grim up north. I love under the flight path of Leeds-Bradford Airport, so you can you can probably tell. If you had any of those big, like, icy blocks of shit land in your garden before... <laughs> Uh, not yet, no, but we do have Jack 2 and Ryanair and everything fly out of Leeds Bradford because it is a tiny little airport. Plane's gone. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so as I said, the emphasis is coming inside. Actually, that sounds worse than coming in. Uh, anyway, the fullbacks, if we don't have the ball, it should be, they shouldn't be in their own half anymore. They should be advanced. And what I want to see is I want to see Lamella and Ericsson develop a partnership within themselves. I want them to be able to interchange wings. I want them to be able to to drop into the number 10 position. I don't want to see them static. I think I posted on Twitter a formation similar to this one and a lot of people just, their instant reaction was because they see somebody plotted somewhere. They go, Ericsson wide left, Ericsson wide left. He's not a winger, he's not a winger, he's wasted, he's a number 10. And every tweet I had to send out afterwards was just, I want him to move inside. I don't want him to, to sit with his heels on the touchline. I don't want him to be out there. I want them to be fluid. The more fluid a team is, the more they can change positions, the more somebody can drop in a position you don't expect him to be, the more a defence can't cope. And I think that would be our best our best attacking strategy you, is being as pra, as pragmatic as possible. Do you not worry, though, that we, you know, obviously then we'd have to compensate for the lack of width by having Rose come further forwards, which could then leave us more exposed at the back. I think he's actually a better forward player than he is defensively. Um, uh, coming backwards, we've got Sandro hugging, we've got we've still got Kabul and Vertonghen waiting, and we've got Dembele or, or Polino that can drop back. I think in that transition defensively, even this season, in the games we've played, we've already showed that we can track back and we can fill those positions smartly. Um, I've got no worry about us defensively. <laughs> my, Strangely, with the wealth of riches we've got, my worry is on the ball and that, that first bit of play when we're on the ball and that, that pass. But I think the zip will come from, from Ericsson or Holtby. But um, I was in work today... Um, uh, Opta and um, just 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 throwing that in, you know. No, I, it was because <laughs> I, I was having a conversation with someone there, my boss, and he said to me, "Oh, Tottenham have done a lot of business, but you, do you not think they've done too much too soon?" And he goes, I've been, "Is that uh, gave me the all? I've been watching this game a long time, type of thing." He's a Leeds fan, so uh, take it with a pinch of salt. But um, he, he seemed to have the impression that we wouldn't do as well this season because we bought too many players, which is something that has obviously been replicated across the media. It's something that I thoroughly disagree with because I, I think our manager wouldn't have bitten off more than he can chew. I think he, he's going to be able to, to integrate them in his own way. I personally think we'll be, we'll be up and running by Christmas. I think we'll, our performances won't be the best until Christmas. I think we'll have enough in the tank to pick up performances. We won't be lighting the world alight, but 
will we doing enough? And I think after Christmas, once we play those games, once the players are fully integrated, then I think we'll be able to kick on. I think the second half of the season is where we'll do well. I do think top four this season is, unlike last season, uh, it has to be reached. I think Arsenal, obviously, having strengthened, um, they've signed some bloke. I don't know who he is. Apparently, yeah. some record fee, Betty shit. Um, they've signed someone. Um, Chelsea have got fantastic players. Manchester United seem to be having the most un-Manchester United time of life at the moment. They seem their fans seem to to finally realise what the real world is in football. In that, when you try and sign a player, he doesn't always come. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be very strange. Um, Liverpool are going to attack more, but I can't help thinking that they're going to have to banana peel somewhere along the line because yeah. it's three wins from three at one nil just is a bit too steady for them really. But um, yeah, I think top four this season we have to try and challenge to. I think we've got rid of a lot of a lot of deadwood, a lot of players that the manager didn't want. I think this season he, he can't have the the you can't argue that it's not his team anymore. Um so I think it, it's gonna be a very important season for us. Um but I'm I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing how we integrate and I'm looking how we then progress from there. And I think we uh, I do think we're gonna we're gonna challenge quite uh, high up in terms of the league and the Europa League. I think domestic cups wise, I don't think we we really give two square shits about in all honesty. Um but I think in Europe and in the league, the manager and the players will be will be giving their all. I mean Rob, you're a neutral supposedly, although you know we've had a few people say they reckon you're a closet Spurs fan. <laughs> um uh, uh, alongside many other things. Um do you see Spurs challenging or do you think it's another fifth place? I think it's going to go to the wire. I don't like sitting on the fence, but um, there's just too much to consider to make a, a, an absolute prediction. Um, Spurs have by far a deeper squad than that of their rivals. It says a lot that Arsenal are down to 12 or well, 13 now they've signed that guy. I don't know who he is. 13 in fit players in August. And if you're if you've got 13 fit players in August, it's going to be hard to come forth. Um, they could do it. I don't want to write them off. Arsene Wenger has that ridiculous record. Liverpool have strengthened. Um, they're in a very strong position, particularly defensively now. Colo Torre, not the most spectacular signing, but one of the most intelligent. He'll make Daniel Lago twice the player he was before. And they still got Skirtle and Mamadou Sarko to draw on as well. Um, so they've kept three clean sheets and I expect that there's plenty more where that came from um, they've got Suarez to come back in Sturridge is doing the business they could well be up there by the end of the season and that's even without even mentioning Coutinho who um, I would probably say is going to be down player of the year this season without putting too much pressure on him um, I think the top three is probably locked up United, City and Chelsea are just too strong they've got far too much both in terms of experience and in terms of quality. Uh, I do think Tottenham could turn any of them over on their day. Tottenham's 11 is as good as, if not better than theirs. Whether or not they can sustain that over a 38-game season remains to be seen. I think it'll be fourth. I think they'll be right up there to the end with Arsenal. And a lot will depend on Arsenal's injury status, which, as we know, could very well go to shit. 
and leave Spurs a shoe in. Um, if I Tottenham have the... are never a shoe in. Tottenham just are yeah. never a shoe in for it's, it's, it's interesting, though. You, you touch on it there about experience. I think that is the main thing lacking from our team, and it ha- probably has been for quite some time, is experience. Yeah, exactly. There's that. Manchester United have never had the best players in the world, have they? I mean, they had Ronaldo once, but he was very much an anomaly. They've got this collection of guys who can do jobs. They've not got great players. They've got great players. In Cyber terms of, Van Persie, maybe. Yeah, mentality. Um, guys who just, who just don't understand anything other than winning. Like it's, it's the bare minimum they do to get three points. Ryan Giggs has said before that Alex Ferguson used to bring them into the dressing room on the match day and explain that he didn't really give two square fucks what they did on the pitch as long as they came back in with the three points. <laughs> um, and AVB seems to have uh, a different understanding. He seems to be new school to Fergie's old school, you could say. He's got this idea that if you do certain things on a pitch, you'll maximise your chances of victory and win more games than you'll lose. And that's fine. But somewhere down the line, he has to emphasise this thing that, yeah, you can do this. You're better than the opposition team, but I expect you to do this. Um, you've got to go out there and win. No two ways about it. Bare minimum, three points. Maximum, three points and five goals. So basically, Spurs are going to win the league. Cheers, Rob. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks uh, for the vote of confidence. <laughs> um, I mean, we are we are you know, running out of time now. Um, I think it would be criminal to end this pod without mentioning a certain Welsh gentleman who has departed for sunnier climbs. I mean, we've let a few other people go, but we've spoken about Colker before. Bentley, who really cares? I don't think anyone does at all. Gallas, you know, sayonara. But, you know, the significant loss this summer <laughs> is Gareth Bale. Um, I, for one, I don't know how you felt, Raj, but I, for one, was adopted that mindset for most of the summer. Come on, just hurry up, get rid of him, get it over and done with. I, I don't care anymore. We got Lamella in, we got this, we got that. And it's only now since he's actually gone that all the montages, the highlight reels have been made that it's really hit home actually. Not only how good he was, but how much an embodiment of Spurs he became towards the end of his tenure. Now he was, he was Tottenham. He was Mr. Tottenham. Maybe if he didn't want to be or not, well, he obviously didn't want to be, but he he was for all intents and purposes Spurs. And that's not even a corny one man team type gag. I mean, I, it, it's it's not nice to lose him, would you say? No. Um, <clears throat> I was, almost until the minute he left, I had this idea that he he was here for another season and then he'd go next year regardless. I think I've, I've said that several times. I think I said it that many times that I convinced myself it was true. Um, it, was, it was... It was... Um, it was very. Um, it, by the time it happened, I I knew it was going to happen. So it was I'd I'd almost come to accept it. But I think in terms of what he meant to the club, the fact that the chairman came out and made a statement where he, if I quote it directly, he said Gareth was a player we had absolutely no intention of selling as we look to build for the future. He's a player whose career we have fostered and developed, and he was only a year into his new four-year contract. The club didn't want him to go. The only reason they sold him is because of his own desire to want to go to Real. Fans obviously didn't want him to go. 
but the way I look at it now, in hindsight, is if you've ever walked past someone in the street that you've now seen used to be friends with and that you kind of you may have fell out with or something like that and then you see them with a new set of friends and they're all happy you have that you have that slight like like upset that you're not friends anymore but then you have that smart you're happy for them and now i think i've come around the entire emotional wreck that i was before to uh, slightly overplay it, but I, I think I'm happy for him now that he's at that club. I hope he does well. I hope he isn't ostracised like Michael Owen was. I, I genuinely hope that the players at Real let him come into the team and let him be the player that he is. Um, I really hope that, yeah, I, I hope he isn't bullied. <laughs> I mean, it almost feels like I've, I've let my kid go, but um, there is a real chance at that club. It's a completely kettle, different kettle of fish that he could completely be be pushed to one side just as Michael Owen was in favour of somebody else I think the treatment Michael Owen got was because he wasn't he didn't particularly want to learn the language he wasn't entirely happy with the culture there he didn't throw himself into it he ended up living in a hotel for there all that time he was there at the same time that Fernando Morientes was and the rest of the players in the changing rooms actively encouraged the, the manager to play Morientes over Owen and he had to come back and his career was never the same after that. With Bale, I hope that he does what Beckham did and what McManaman did. And he, he dives headfirst into it. He gets on with the players. He learns the language. He he just he, he starts to, to actually buy into the whole Madrid experience. And I, I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd hope that he actually becomes a bit of a prick as well. I, I genuinely do. I hope that... I know Ronaldo is like a... a of it quite clearly a personal idol of his but at the same time I hope he doesn't get caught up in that I hope he's not too awestruck by him I found it a bit cringe already that he kind of came out and said like oh you know I'm here to play along with the best player in the world if you don't know who I mean I mean Ronaldo you know (laughs) it it was kind of like mate just you're a great player as well and I I just hope he fully realizes that I hope he knows he's there because he should be there, not that, you know, he's whatever, he's a he's a young marketable face, he's a talent, he's this, he's that. Uh, not a talent, obviously he's there because he's a talent, but I mean like a, a talent that can make them money off the pitch as opposed to on it. Uh, you know, I really hope he does realise that he is a fantastic player, that the player that was bought by Real Madrid, that Ronaldo, he outperformed this season. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just think he's 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 got to toughen up if he's going to be a success out there. And I know it's cliche. I know it sounds like a kind of tired line, but he does. He's he's too nice, you know. Took him two years to settle in London, albeit yeah. he was a young man when that. When he's that still did a young happen. man, and he's he's gone. I argue it's another big move for him, just as it was when he was younger. He's got a young family that he's got to to relocate unless they're going to do what they did while he was in London and just stay in Wales with his parents and he'll, he'll have to go back and forth, which is perhaps a viable option for him. I've, but I was, I was talking about last night on Twitter. I think what will always stick in my mind about Gareth Bale is it was the one performance, it's quite obvious, was Inter Milan at home where I will, I will honestly say that performance is one of the best I've ever seen a footballer have you know just one of those performances where he just looked completely and utterly unplayable um and I don't know who it was that said it someone said on Twitter again the other day he is probably the best player you will see in a Spurs shirt in our lifetime and I I don't know 
I don't know if you'd agree with that, Raj. You probably don't because you like Modric more still, don't you? Yeah, um, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> the day that Luka Modric dances through midfield, picks a pass and plays in Gareth Bale to score a goal in the Champions League for Real Madrid is probably the day that my heart's going to break a little bit for Tottenham because that's that's a scene that I'd want to see at our club. They're going to be wearing white, but they're not going to have our badge on their shirt anymore. Um, it's a shame that we've had that sort of calibre of player and we haven't kept hold of them. But I think growing forward, we're still a club that's growing. I think it's it's a clear marker of that, that we are a club that's still growing. We're not at the same level as a, as a commercial point and a... Even as a size point, we're a huge club, but as a in terms of having the stadium that can that can have the revenue and having that sort of thing, all all the businessy types, we're not at the same level as the clubs that are above us. We are still, and this is a huge point. We are still buying above our average in, in terms of the players we're buying, the money we're spending, and the way the clubs run. So it's it's a massive massive indication of of how far we've yet to go still, but we're doing well for ourselves and. I wish him all the best. I've got no hard feelings towards him. Just that I didn't for for Modric. Uh, slightly disappointing that he stopped coming to training, but it's understandable. I mean, I've seen people in my old boring offices handing their notice and stop turning up to work. So if, if people at my level can do it, why can't he? So um, yeah, it's um, it's a shame he's gone, but um, you have to you, you move on. And this is the Ericsson and Lamella age and the AVB age. Um, Come on, you Spurs. That's it. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Onwards and upwards. To dare is to do. No one man bigger than the club. We'll take it. We'll take it. But we had a lot of questions this week. Um, We're not going to have time to answer them. But I hope we have naturally through our discussion. But just to say thank you to Jamie McElwin, Nick, who is Manish Swag, um, Mac Scrooby, at Scroobius Mac, um, Ben Atkins, who is at Ben Atkins 20, and... Hus underscore THFC. Um, I feel that we have kind of answered your questions actually yeah. through conversation, but cheers to sending them in, lads, anyway. Um, yeah, it's been a good show. Uh, we can only wish Bale all the best. Thank you for giving us your time as well, Rob. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully, we'll, we'll get you on another night. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get a fund going to get your microphone as well so you don't have to use your, what are you using, like your, your 3310, aren't you? You're calling in on a, something oh, like that? No, I'm just having a dig. Sorry, mate. That's oh, what yeah. I'm doing. And I'm funny. You know, Keith Chegwin. Keith Chegwin. That's yeah. it. That's it. Um, right. Well, and I would say thank you to you, Raj, but you call me Keith Chegwin, so you can fuck off. Um, everyone else that's <laughs> I listened. I feel like, have you ever watched Extras? I'm probably the Ricky Gervais to your Keith Chegwin, so I'm not, I'm not entirely sure which one's worse. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. We'll let everyone else decide that. All three people that listen this week. Um yep. Well, you can read all of Rob and Raj's and mine when I can be asked wonderful articles on SpursStatman.com. You can also listen to all the past episodes of Rule the Roost on SpursStatman.com and through iTunes and on our other little weird buzz sprout website thing that we'll put links up to so you can listen to all the past episodes if you don't have iTunes. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter for no apparent reason at R-T-R-S-S-M. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will try and find someone to speak to about Norwich City. Perhaps Delia Smith, shall we? Yeah. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.